I think it's kind of a luxury and a privilege to be able to indulge in the, you know, the fun aspects of veganism. And I'm, I'm lucky I do that. And I think I have to do that because my platform wasn't built on veganism, you know, being honest, it was built on Harry Potter. So I want to try and be, you know, appeal to a wide audience and to keep that audience. But I think it's so important that we have angry vegans who remind us every day of what's happening to animals, but just constantly reminding people, you know, the sun might be shining in your life. You might be relaxing, eating vegan ice cream, but there's animals who are in hell, hell on earth. And yeah, I just think we can't afford to forget that. And so I'm really grateful for angry activists who hold that space, who never let us slack, you know, never let us slip up too much or just get too comfortable what's up everybody welcome back to the eat green make green podcast if it is your first time tuning in thanks for checking it out this is pat mccauley as always this week's guest is the one and only ivana lynch uh, if you have been following the show since way back, um, I had Ivana and her co-host of the Chick Peeps podcast, uh, Robbie, on the show back in 2017 when I was over in London for a few days. Uh, so if you want the full Ivana kind of life story and Robbie's story, uh, go back and check that one out. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Uh, but for those that don't know, Ivana is an Irish actress, a vegan activist, an entrepreneur. Um, and she really grew a huge following um, after playing Luna Lovegood um, in the Harry Potter films. Um, and since we last spoke, she has been on Dancing with the Stars. She was on the 27th season of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, she started a new vegan beauty company called The Kinder Beauty Box um, and is about to launch the third season, which I believe comes out this coming week. Um, of the Chick Peeps podcast, and I will also leave links to all those um, in the show notes. Um, so we talk about, once again, why she went vegan a few years ago, for those that don't know, um, when and why she decided to use her following and platform to speak about veganism, uh, why she went on Dancing with the Stars and what she learned from it, uh, why she started Kinder Beauty Box, uh, what we should be aware of about uh, the skincare products we use, how she deals with hate and negativity and all the crazy comments that come with being a very um, public-facing uh, person with a huge following, um, why angry vegans are important, uh, why we can solve human rights issues and animal rights issues at the same time, uh, the exploding vegan scene in London, um, and why sometimes she wishes she could just disappear and work as a waitress somewhere. Uh, which I thought was super cool and super interesting. Um, but Ivana is a force. She um, just crushes anything she does <laughs> um, and sets her mind to and, um, you know, is just incredibly talented. And for somebody that has such a big following and such a great platform, um, to choose to use that platform to promote compassion and, and promote love um, I have massive respect for that. She could be promoting anything and she's choosing to, um, make the world a better place with, with what she says and what she shares. So follow Ivana, 
follow all she's doing. Again, I'll leave all links to all she's doing. Check out the Chick Peeps new uh, podcast coming this coming week. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Get your notebooks out. So without further ado, the amazing and powerful Ivana Lynch. Times are related is your currency. All right, I have Ivana Lynch back for, for people that have been following the show since like the very beginning. Um, you're, you're familiar with Ivana and we, for those that don't know, we last connected in London in 2017, um, around kind of in between the holidays, I, I think it was November, December. So some, sometime mm. around this time of year and, cool. um, you were just starting chick peeps, your podcast. You um, since uh, have been on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. You started a, a new business, Kinder Beauty Box. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going on season three of the Chick Peeps now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and is there is there anything I'm missing <laughs> that you've been that you've been working on over that time? Uh, those are the main things. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Awesome. You got awesome. it. So, so I, I would, if you would, maybe just give the sort of cliff note two-minute version um, of kind of who you are, your background real quick for people that aren't familiar. I know a sure, bunch of yeah, people yeah. are familiar, but. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, happy to be back as well. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm Irish, as you can maybe tell from my accent. I don't know, though. People are always confused. Um, but yeah, from Ireland, grew up in the countryside, from quite a big family um three other siblings and we always grew up around lots of animals um cats many cats um and just yeah was really connected to to animals just saw them as part of the family and um I went vegetarian at around the age of 10 or 11 just kind of as soon as I made the connection um and really understood that like oh there are people who don't eat animals then I, I switched and my family were really like my mom, who was the cook of the family. Um, she was very supportive. Uh, and I feel like they're very, they were very sympathetic to it. They just agreed with it. They just didn't, this was back, I suppose, in the, when early 2000s. So, you know, there wasn't as much education on vegetarian and vegan lifestyles. Um, so they accommodated me, but they didn't come with me. Um, and I kind of left it at that, at vegetarianism for a number of years. Um, and then, yeah, I got into acting when I was 14. That's when I did the Harry Potter films and I continued to act. And then it was when I moved to L.A. when I was like 19 or 20. That's when I just started seeing veganism everywhere. And that was around the time I think social media was getting started. And I was starting to post more um, animal rights stuff, like campaigns that I was interested in and passionate about. And just people were asking me, like, why are you not vegan? And, you know, first I was like crazy people, you know, like those just, I just thought vegans were so radical. And mm. um, I, th- I just thought, I don't even like salad that much. I wouldn't survive on a vegan diet. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I kept like kind of encountering it and I didn't really have answers. And then I read that book, Eating Animals, and it just broke my heart. And yeah, I agreed with everything. I realized I totally agreed with the vegan ideology way of life. And um, it was just a matter of how to go vegan in a way that felt, um, you know, healthy and 
joyful and didn't feel restrictive. So yeah, and I I don't have like a vegan anniversary, you know, the way people talk about that, because it did take me a while. I didn't, it wasn't like an overnight thing. I definitely relapsed a lot and um, it brought up, at first it brought up a lot of issues around food that I used to have. And then it, it took me a while to kind of learn how to do it in an abundant way and in a balanced way. But once I did it, it really stuck. And I've, I've just been so grateful for uh, veganism in my life, like both for, from the health perspective and, and just knowing you're not, you know, it, you're not part of this, the terrible things that happen to animals. But it also just so enriched my social circle. And um, I've met so many people I really admire and, and love talking to. And, you know, with vegans, you just have a shorthand with people who who get it. Um, and I started the podcast and that's a huge part of my social life. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where, me, where I'm at now. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And when did when did it sort of become a decision for you versus like something you wanted to speak out about and educate people on? When did kind of that transition happen and maybe why? Well, I always, um, yeah, animal causes always broke my heart from when I was a kid. Like even the movies that really deeply affected me like were Charlotte's Web or Babe. Like I distinctly remember that scene in Babe where the animals are watching through the window at the turkey dinner. And just being on the animal side, just feeling like they're the vulnerable ones they're and they're the innocent ones. Like there's, they're not doing anything wrong except existing, you know, like they're, it, they're so harmless. And I, I know that animals, certain animals eat each other, but, you know, they just don't have this malicious or egotistical, maybe malicious is too strong a word, but they don't have this egotistical um, compulsion that humans have. And I just, have lo- always loved them for that. Um, so I think it was there. And then because, you know, having a certain number of followers online and having you know, get, having a certain level of fame when I was young, I would constantly get sent requests for charity and for organizations like, can you tweet about this? Can you post about this? Can you care about this? And it was just like, I think I at first I was... I was really saying yes to everything because everything's worthy, all charitable causes. You're all like, oh yeah, blind children and all the poor and the homeless and they are all worthy causes. Um, But I just started to find, you know, I found that I was just kind of being a mouthpiece for everyone and it was taking up so much time. and And I found that when I spoke about animal rights, that was the one where it really just felt like it was coming from an from my heart, from an inner place that I, I didn't really need the script from the organizations. And I just felt... And I still do. I still feel like, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of intersections between causes, causes, but I think animals are the most oppressed beings on earth and the most overlooked. And it's so society has made it so easy for people to overlook them, to just go, they're less intelligent or they can't speak or they can't feel as much because because we don't really know what what they're saying. And we don't they're not they don't have a language to rage at us. So. I think I just made a decision around that time, like, okay, this is the one that I feel so passionate about. I, I feel like I know what to say. I feel like I've, uh, you know, got um, a voice to to speak on it and 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 people are overlooking it. And um, yeah, since, since then I, I started doing that and it was just like, 
I think when I went vegan, I thought, oh, you, you spend a few weeks and then you're vegan. And then I realized, oh no, it's a real journey. It's not like you're always learning. You can always be a better vegan. You know, you can always just find something, some part of your life that you need to be better at. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I kind of realized it's a, it's, it's both something I can speak for and something I can learn about for myself. Um, and that's why I really love doing that kind of activism. Mm, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to, to change gears a little, so you did in 2018, you did dancing with the stars Mm -hmm. and I would love to just understand why you did it and maybe some, some lessons learned and you were doing like, like all your wardrobes were vegan and everything, right? And yeah, they were amazing. They were so good. And that was the first job I'd done where I was really brave enough to be like, I'm vegan and you can't give me a, cause you th- I think a lot of actors, you know, when you get a job, you're just like, oh, whatever I can do to, you know, stay employed and keep you happy. You don't really want to rock the boat. Um, I'd never kind of played the diva card of, you know, trying to asking for a more complicated writer than other actors. But yeah, with Dance with the Stars, I was like, you know what? They have the budget. I'm just going to ask. And they were so nice. And um, yeah, they went out their way. They got vegan dance shoes. They got vegan cowboy boots. There was one um, week where we had to do a cowboy style theme, which wasn't, it didn't feel like the most um, vegan friendly thing because there were like dairy cows in the background, whatever. But, you know, you pick your battles. Um, and they and they were, you know, they didn't, I didn't wear silk, I didn't wear feathers. So they definitely made adjustments and they were great. And it was just nice to be able to speak about that a bit at the time. Um, and I think the thing I really learned from that about asking for vegan options is it just makes people around you think. It makes them be like, oh, I hadn't realized that so Nikki Glazer was on the show as well, and she's vegan, but she hadn't even thought to ask about wardrobe. I think she was more new to veganism. And even like, you know, you meet, I met a lot of people in wardrobe who were like, oh yeah, I'm really curious about it. It, it just makes people, it plants a seed and it makes them question themselves and how they feel about it. And so, yeah, I, I, I learned from that to just be braver about speaking up because, and the thing is people really like to be accommodating. They like to help. So it's quite... I think it would be quite unusual that someone would just straight up say, no, I have nothing for you. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't want to help. So um, that was good. And then why I decided to do it, it's just a whole lot of friggin' fun. It's, so, it's the most <laughs> fun I've ever had on a job. It was honestly an amazing experience. Um, and I've always loved dance. I wanted to be a dancer, actually. Um, I tried to when I was 18. I kind of just felt kind of preferred it to acting um but I didn't really have the training um yeah I kind of started a bit late in life so it was just something I always loved and it's something that yeah helps me get out of my head and in my body I find it very therapeutic so then when they came along and asked I was like it was a bit of a quiet patch in my career and I was like hell yeah let's do it so fun um and what yeah I mean what did I learn I, I I really learned how to think positive on that show because it's such a it's so intense it's the hardest I've ever worked because it's every day five hours of dancing and loads of media like there's just a lot of demands um and I and I kept I think at first I was like what if I fall what if I fall what if I do this what if this happens and I remember just like 
I said that to my partner. I was like, what if I fall? And he he just wouldn't let me think like that. He was like, you're not gonna fall. You're not, no, no. Cause, cause he was trying to train me to think. He was like, if you, if you start imagining yourself falling, you will fall. It was, um, yeah, it was really about manifestation and intention. And so, um, and I think just cause we made it to the finals, came third. And I think doing that every day for three months was such a great discipline and great practice. And yeah, it's made me really go for more things in my life since then. So, so much mm. fun. I wish I could do it again. It was the best. <laughs> yeah. And there, the, the thing with that is there's no, like, it's not like filming a movie. I would imagine in that, you know, there's no second take, you know, it's no, nope. you go out and there you work- and you got one shot and yeah, it's you work it's, all week for literally one minute of dancing, <laughs> and it's yeah. and so if you ruin it, if you mess up a step, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah, and it's just like also a lot of it is your your personality. You know, like <clears throat> they want you to be. That was the mo- thing I found most challenging was that it was everyone else was like real extroverted types and just work in the camera. And I was like, Oh, I thought you just had to come here and dance. I didn't realize I had to be like a cartoon version of myself. Um, and, but you kind of, you do, you have to turn it on a bit. And I think the guy who won that year, Bobby, he was great. He was not a very good dancer, but he was so up for it. He worked really hard and he was really generous with like the viewers. Like he always would talk to he just made a connection I think with the audience and he really shared for himself and um yeah I I suppose I learned that I think it wasn't the first time in my career that I really wished I was an extrovert but I'm just not (laughs) Mm. but um yeah I I find my I found my way somehow (laughs) (laughs) and then also so same year you uh you jumped into Kinder Beauty Box yeah Mm -hmm, yep and what was the what was the thinking behind that? What was the kind of why behind starting that? Yeah. Um, so I mean, for for years, I keep I've been getting companies reaching out and being like, "Will you do a brand partnership?" And it's very difficult when you're a vegan, and not that it's difficult, you know, difficult for animals. It's not difficult for the influencers turning down deals. But um, yeah, I couldn't find any sort of brand that I was aligned with and that I felt comfortable, you know, and maybe there'd sometimes be brands that would do vegan lines, but it's like, do you really want to work with a company who, you know, just see it as a, a business move really? Um, so I kept away from all that for years. And then Andrew, who is um, our CEO, his co-founder at Kinder, he came, to, he approached me, he, he'd worked at PETA and I, I knew him through PETA. And he said he was branching out and he really thinks that there's a gap in the market for doing more um, vegan beauty subscription boxes. So it was his idea. And then he connected me and Daniela Monet, my, who's my other, our other co-founder. And um, he, he was just like, you know, the, 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 we have an opportunity. I have a lot of experience in marketing. You guys have experience with media and social media and everything. And um, he, and he said what I suppose what me and Daniela had in common was that we were both ethical vegans. You know, it's not really about profit for us or just, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very different business in, in that we'll never do anything that's not aligned with our values. Um, and so that was just really attractive to me to be like, oh, right, right. Wow. Like, you know, to work with a company, um, 
that's professionally run, but that I have a say in the ethics of the company and how it goes forward and the vision. So yeah, we launched it. Um, our first box launched January 2019. And um, it's been amazing because it's like, for one thing, it's a lot of fun, vegan beauty. I'm really into that. Um, I mean, I was kind of like, this is a this is not real that I just get sent things to test. <laughs> it's a really fun job. Um, but it's also, we donate a, um, a portion of proceeds every month to vegan and animal rights organizations. And we work with, because of the, you know, the nature of it being a vegan and cruelty-free business, we we tend to work with loads of um, small business owners. Because um, the people who have these vegan labels that are really sticking to their guns and who are not being bought out by huge brands, they are often on, um, run by by women often and they're independently run and it's just that's been so cool to to just talk to those kind of people and and meet them and to hear their stories so yeah it's been gro- going great and love the team I work with and um I will say lockdown has been good for online business mm. if you've got a business it's a good time to go online mm, yeah yeah what what should people know that are listening that maybe are not Maybe they're they're like uh, the woman you mentioned on Dancing with the Stars who wasn't really thinking about wardrobe. Um, you know, what should people know about their skincare products and the products they're you know putting on for makeup every day? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what 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 should people know? Yeah, um, well, I would say for starters, it seems when you first go vegan and your um vegan cruelty free in, in your cosmetics and your you know your beauty routine it seems like it's so hard and so complicated and you have to be a bit of a, a science scientist basically um because there's you know cruelty free is different from vegan but i mean basics if it's um if it's cruelty free it doesn't necessarily mean it's vegan and um, it just means it's not tested on animals and actually unfortunately it works vice versa as well if it's vegan sometimes you know they can say vegan and it can have been tested on animals so you do like yeah we need to do our homework at kinder beauty um because there are and like brands are always trying to get around it you know the 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 reason that so many brands are not cruelty free and are not vegan but mostly not cruelty free is because they sell in mainland china and that's where uh, animal testing is mandatory by law so all of the big name brands pretty much with very few exceptions all test on animals and they will say things sneaky things like you know we do we're funding this campaign and we do we only do we're mandated by law and it's always that it's like that's great that you're doing your best that you're funding alternative methods and that you're really trying to support uh cruelty-free alternatives but you're still testing on animals and you don't need to and it, it means that the company is is just can't resist this billion dollar industry in China. And, you know, uh, China has, there's been noises around that changing and certain whatever legislature is changing, but it's not, it's still not changed and it's very slow progress. So at the moment, yeah, any brand that, that, that sells in China um, is not cruelty free and is therefore not vegan. So, I mean, that's kind of the basics, but I think what, I want to tell people is that there are so many brands who are doing it differently. They're just not in the drugstores, you know, they're not, you kind of have to put a bit more planning into it. You can't just, Oh, I've run out of shampoo, run down and just grab something. And so that's obviously annoying. But what's nice is that when you like what, how I did it 
because I found it more difficult than the food stuff actually because it was just you know you have your favorite products you get used to them you have your little routines so I just did it rather than overhauling everything at once which would have been so expensive I did it product by product and um you know if I wanted a new mascara I would research that a little bit try a few different ones and then do that and you know now at Kinder Beauty I'm very lucky I don't have to buy any of those things because we get sent them in the boxes which is a, a very nice perk but um yeah at first it was just a matter of researching and and then just shopping ahead of time online shopping or going to some um you know veg fest where I knew those brands would be um and it just is it's nice because it makes you more mindful again you know you're not just supporting some faceless uh like empty brand that just doesn't really care about the individual or whatever it's people who really really care about the products and they're really proud of them and that's just a good feeling I think that's good karma so Mm. um yeah it takes a while but it's so worth it so and and you can definitely do it and there are as I say so many amazing vegan brands out there that you just don't know about yeah and and for people that don't know how does it actually work do you send like a curated box um each mm-hmm. each month or whatever or do you can people pick what they want in the box and it's shipped to them so we're not quite that sophisticated yet um so we it's yeah it's a monthly subscription box model you sign up uh the first box you get is like our kinder faves collection which is a few of like our really popular uh, so so it's it's not you know we curate brands a few different brands there'll be five products in a box they're all from different vegan cruelty-free brands um and yeah so you sign up you get your kind of faves box and then once a month you get um a box with five products and yeah it's all it's all curated by me and daniela danielle monet who's my partner in this and um you can't choose unfortunately but you can see ahead of time we have a blog so on the first of every month or a few days before, sometimes we announce what's going to be in the box. You can see exactly all the products and you can see what the value is. And then you have, you have, a, you know, a window in which you can skip that month if you feel like you don't need those products or you can just keep, stay subscribed and, and keep getting, keep getting the, the products. But um, yeah, and there's at the moment we have a box A and box B because as we've been expanding and growing, um, a lot of our the brands we work with can't meet the the order numbers. So in order to keep working with small, independently run businesses, we've had to like have two collections. But we work really hard to make them like equal value and products that people will be equally excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you say? Biggest, you know, two years in now. What's what's kind of the biggest lesson for you from? Is this the first kind of product business that you've started? Yeah, yeah, definitely it is. Um, and, it's, you know, it's so not just me. It's a big team. Mm. It's not just me and Daniela. Andrew is like masterminding so much of it. And um, we've got a great team, Jasmine running the blog and Kelly who does helps us with our social media. So I definitely can't say like, I don't know all those secret magic ingredients to it because there's so many of us uh, now. Well, not so many, but a small committed team. Um, but I would say like, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing I've learned is that you, you really have to listen to the customer. So when we started, we were just vegan and cruelty-free um, and people kept asking about clean products. And we were like, 
God's sake, do we have to be clean now? You know, we were kind of a bit like another thing because it was already proving, especially when we started out, it's easier now, but when we started out to gain credibility and to get brands to like trust us and be excited about us, that took a lot, you know? Um, and, and so I think at first the idea of we have to be clean now, um, I was I was really worried that we just wouldn't have enough brands. Um, but there was just more and more, we did a lot of surveys, there was more and more demand for clean products, which by the way, isn't actually a binary term. Like there are makeup brands that can say they're clean and have different, everyone kind of has their own set of standards. Um, but, and I, I I also at first didn't understand it, um, why, because why I found that in America, people were much more, um, which is where our brand is based, people were much more just conscious of it. And Andrew said to me, oh, this is because there are, I think there's something over 1,200 ingredients that are banned in the EU that are used in the products in the US. So there really is a lot of crazy toxic stuff going in some makeup brands. And that was eye-opening to me. So um, we did, we went with it, we went clean and it's been so great. Like we didn't, we, you know, customers really embraced us more Um we, we found just more brands that were vegan and clean. And I think that was the right thing to do. And at first I was really like, no, we, we should, we should, you know, we don't have to, cause I'm the kind of person like, you know, I see makeup and, and beauty as like art and expression. And I don't, I, I'm not as much on the wellness side of beauty. I'm more of the creativity side. Yeah. Um, so, so I think at first I was just like resistant and I was like, oh, we're compromising ourselves. We're, and, and I think as well, because as an actor and anyone who's in the arts, you're trained to just express yourself and not care about what people think and not get just um, not get dispirited by by what people think. But business is so different. You so have to care what your customers think and you have to really work with them. And and I think, yeah, if you do, if you really listen to them and if you really um, just take on board their concerns, then I, I think it helps the business grow. So yeah, I'm very glad we made that decision. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. On, on that kind of front of not caring about what people think <laughs> as someone who has now like stepped out and is very much in the arena around veganism and, and other topics, how do you, and you've probably had years of experience of this, but how do you handle the negativity that, you know, inevitably comes with putting yourself out there, especially like being very uh, vocal about vegan topics and things like that? Obviously that draws a whole slew of, of, of people and comments and things like that. How do you kind of keep yourself safe and mentally right and healthy with the onslaught that kind of inevitably comes from that yeah it's definitely hard I don't know how you you know uh, I we had um Joey Carbstrong on the podcast a while ago and I find him so fascinating because he does not give a damn you know he just Mm. goes out there and says anything to people um for animals he's so and I I I was like do you never worry about hurting people's feelings or them not liking you and he's just like I think he's just seen too much of the inside of slaughterhouses to care um 
I, I can't be like that. I just, I could never have that toughness that he has. But I do feel with veganism, I don't mind so much people criticizing me because I'm right. You know, I know, I know I'm right on this issue. Um, even things like, well, you know, for, for one thing, it, I know it's wrong to kill animals. And that's just nothing that somebody has taught me. It's just something that I know in my bones. You just can't, I can't, there's no point arguing with it because I know it. So, so that helps, that goes a long way in helping me kind of have a um, armor around people's comments. Cause I just be like, well, you're wrong. So, you know, nice, nice talking to you. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think there are other things that are more hurtful. Like when people criticize your way of doing vegan activism, like you're not hardcore enough or people, a lot of vegans hate you working with PETA which I think is actually them being misled. I think they've been brainwashed by um, anti-vegan organizations who are trying to, you know, they do smear campaigns. That's a whole other story though. But yeah, things like when, when other vegan activists, it used to really hurt me. And again, but again, that was, I think when it was, uh, I was new to it and I was still like, oh, maybe I am terrible at this. Or maybe I am being just not an effective um, activist or, or not a good ally or whatever. But I just think over time, I've seen how people respond to the way I do it. And um, so so I know I'm doing something right. Um, and I mean, there are just practical things as well. I don't spend very much time on social media. Like, I just don't even I answer a few comments, maybe on Instagram. I got off Twitter because I found Twitter was... Um, the therapist had a great phrase for it. She called it a, a toxic swamp of unconsciousness. And I was like, that's what it is. <laughs> it is just where a place where people of polarizing views come to just air their trauma, really, um, mm. and just have a go at each other. And I just found too many people were having a go at me. And I was kind of like, in lockdown, it got to me because I, I live on my own. And I was a bit like, oh, it's really not nice to wake up one day, open your Twitter and have just a load of strangers saying mean things to you. And I was like, um, I, you know, I, I would rather... That does over time that deteriorates your mental health. And I would rather be reading a vegan book or doing a podcast than trying to deal with the emotional, um, just the, the residue of, of reading that negativity. So that's gone. Um, and then, yeah, I'm really careful about Instagram. I don't really, don't really read too many DMs. Um, and I just, I'm just, I'm just careful, but it's, it, I think it's, it's a hard balance because you want to be out in the world and you want to connect to people. But um, I think having those boundaries is important for sustainability in something like veganism where you're going to get criticized. Um, and uh, I will say the Chick Peeps, the podcast has helped having those three, my, my co-hosts, we all have quite different opinions. Um, we all have different ways of going about our activism, but we're all really good friends and they, they're really supportive. So I just know like if somebody's picking on me either for being vegan or for not doing it right, I'll just message them in the WhatsApp group and we'll have a little rant. Robbie's so good at like uh, tearing people apart. Charles, we, we actually started a new segment on um, Chick Peeps this, this season where we just basically have Robbie tackle Charles. <laughs> so yeah. That's fantastic. And that's a, that's a, 
a good lead into, uh, I want to talk about chick peeps and, um, kind of the, the evolution of it. Um, mm-hmm. so you're going, so season three is coming out next month. Is that right? Um, two weeks actually. Two weeks. Yep. Yeah. So in time for world vegan day. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. What have you over the past couple of years doing it? Um, and it, it's been similar for me. Um, it's, it's energizing and, um, really nice to connect with people you admire. And, Mm -hmm. um, for me, I feel like I learn more than, you know, the listeners and the people I have on the show. Like I'm constantly having these conversations with people I admire and I'm just like a sponge and it just not only energizes and uplifts me and, becomes my community, as you said, but, um, Mm. you know, it, um, it's just been a learning experience for me. So I'm curious to kind of understand how your evolution has changed as a result of, of doing the show and, and what it's kind of done in your life. Yeah. Um, first of all, can I just say, like, I think it's amazing that you just do the podcast nonstop we take big long breaks between seasons <laughs> but I don't think people realize how how much work podcasting is like it's it's well and good when you start it up and you have a big idea but to keep it going it's really impressive so I hope your listeners appreciate you which I'm sure they do um, if they're listening um but yeah so uh, what have I learned um um god that's a big question I don't know like you said I learned I learned something new every week uh I think early on in the podcast, we were just having on people who people who just did it the same way as I did, vegan activism. Mm. And I think I was very, very like, I'm going to be a really positive vegan and really, you know, just fun and sweet and all that. And I was a bit thinking, oh, those angry vegans are so scary and off-putting. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't really... We didn't have that many angry vegans on, but we still don't. I kind of want to have more, but I actually think I've grown over, yeah, over the seasons we've done. I think they're really important, the angry vegans. I think we need people to stay angry. Um, I think it's kind of a luxury and a privilege to be able to indulge in the, you know, the fun aspects of veganism. And I'm, I'm lucky I do that. And I think I have to do that because my platform wasn't built on veganism, you know, being honest, it was built on Harry Potter. So I don't ever want to go, I want to try and be, you know, appeal to a wide audience and to keep that audience. Um, but I think it's so important that we have angry vegans who remind us every day of what's happening to animals and, you know, the trauma that they go through, that they subject themselves to, by watching slaughterhouse footage, by going in there, um, by by holding the vigils, but just constantly reminding people, you know, the sun might be shining in your life. You might be relaxing, eating vegan ice cream, but there's animals who are in hell, hell on earth. And yeah, I just think we can't afford to forget that. And so I'm really grateful for angry activists who hold that space, who never let us slack, you know, never let us slip up too much or just get too comfortable. Because that's the thing. I think when you go vegan, and for anyone who wants to do this, you know, anyone who goes vegan, great, you're doing great. And and if you want to just live your life, and I, I think you're a great example in and of your, yourself, just, just being vegan. 
but um I, I just don't think I just think there's 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 a lot there's not more we can do you, you can just move on be vegan and kind of wash your hands of the guilt but um we have to keep the, the message of animal liberation alive so so yeah you know I now feel like from doing the podcast that there's room for all types of activism um I think I think my activism is useful I think that it is more focused on the light-hearted stuff um that it is more we call it attractivism we don't use guilt and shame I think it will hook some people I think it hooks a lot hooks a lot of people in but I also think there are people who need that sharp wake-up call and actually a lot of people who have trauma within their own lives and that is what connects them to animals and and seeing that horrible footage it makes them be like that that that's similar to something I went through or just a feeling I had so um yeah I'm definitely as the seasons have gone on I'm just in favor of having multiple voices and hearing people who do it different ways and I think this season we really want to tackle having people who are um and we've never done this and I was really like oh this is I don't know if we should have people who are not vegan and talk to them about that and you know I I just I'm always so conscious like I don't want somebody to switch on an episode and to hear somebody making an argument for flexitarianism and they sound really rational you know I want people to keep pushing towards being vegan and and doing their absolute best and just working towards veganism um but i think we just need to have more difficult conversations you know like that one thing that's been such a big wake-up call this year is is seeing all this stuff about you know the black lives matter and people just feeling people who feel really under underprivileged and underrepresented and that maybe is blocking them from caring about animals or other causes so you know i even think we just need to be talking more about um yeah things like racial equity in 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 the movement in the vegan movement um because it, it a lot of people for them to care about animals we need to care more about what they're going through um so yeah i think i think this season we're, we're going to try we're obviously going to have a lot of vegans on but try and talk to people and maybe talk them into veganism <laughs> more people who are who are just less hardcore vegans yeah yeah, I, I like that. And I agree that, you know, it's it's easy for us to say, you know, care about animals and care about veganism. And um, but you're right, we need to first figure out a way to take care of humans that are struggling. Because, yeah. you know, the second you have a conversation with somebody who, you know, doesn't know how they're paying their mortgage, they, you know, have have kids that you know they're they're providing for and their life is hard and chaotic and they're just trying to get to the next day like mm-hmm. to yeah. ask them to consider you know what's on their plate and the buying decisions they're making um is almost unfair and it's not even it's not even at all on their radar um, you know, they're, they're in survival mm-hmm. mode. And I think there's more people, you know, in the U S specifically, um, speaking from, you know, my experience that are in that and they, they, mm-hmm. they don't have an equal chance at succeeding and an equal chance at good pay and, you know, a roof over their head and just basic human needs. And mm-hmm. I think 
that's a huge part of it. And that needs to be solved um, first so that then, you know, people can step out and think about how um, on a more critical level, how their decisions impact others. But everybody is so consumed with just kind of getting by and, and, you know, the, the craziness of, of 2020, um, I think probably hasn't helped that much. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I know what you mean of like, you know, when your cup is empty, you just don't have anything to give. You don't have compassion left over for animals, but I, I would, um, argue it just the word first that we have to take care of humans first, because I think it's something that has to be in tandem because I humans will never be done kind of hurting each other. Really? I don't know. I think I don't, and I don't think it's fair that animals should have to wait till we all, you know, are comfortable. I think, I think it can be done in tandem. And I think it, it, the causes are just so, they overlap in so many ways. Like if you think about the people who work in the slaughterhouses, they're, they're usually, I mean, they're, they're, they're disadvantaged people. That's nobody's dream job. Um, so I, I just think, yeah, it's, it's something that has to, it, it, when, and when people say, why should I care about animals yet? You know, I'm struggling to pay the bills. It's like, it, I'm not expressing this very well, but yeah, I just think it's something they should be done simultaneously. Um, and I think actually like caring for animals, I just think, think that brings out the best in humanity. Like if we were to use our power, imagine if like someone like Donald Trump used his power to like, to heal or to be good and kind, rather than to be like, make us great, make us the best. We're so like, rather than just being this overlord, this ruler, if we use our power and our advantages and being at the, just the, uh, I don't know, what's the, I don't, I don't think it's top of the food chain is correct because I don't know if we are, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, it's always, if we use our natural, yeah, it's if always, we use our natural advantages to, 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 to be kind and to benefit those more vulnerable and those less advantaged than us. I just think that brings out the best side of human nature and the other way of taking our power and being the oppressor and crushing the small and the innocent. That's just the wrong way to go. And that's what's keeping humanity sick. Mm. I think. Yeah. And I, I, I do agree. It's all intertwined, right? Um, mm. You know, if you get people in, you know, poorer areas, you, you get them better food and you get them better resources and, you know, you get them plant-based meals and all of a sudden they're feeling better and more energized. And like the whole system is, is intertwined. And yeah, as you said, like, you know, people that have to work in slaughterhouses and, you know, meat packing facilities and things like that, uh, as we have seen in the U S and I think worldwide, like what's, what's happened with them in terms of COVID because, you know, not only the business is not really caring about them, but just our like thought that that is like a necessary thing to have. Like we can't survive yeah. without meat. Like it was like literally mandated here, you know, Trump mandated that, you know, meat pack packing facilities have to stay open because it's feeding people. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, I, I totally agree. It's, um, it's a, it's a multifaceted um, issue for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
if you had to choose now, how many episodes have you done? Like 40, 50 episodes, something like that. What do you do? 20 a season? We do. We vary it up. I might have to check. It's something, <laughs> it's something over 30. That's oh no, right. wait, 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 maybe it is 50. No, no, no. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if you had to pick one that kind of stands out, I guess you've had on that. Um, it was maybe, um, something you, you learned new or something that really, uh, was an eye opener, um, or somebody's story that was really moving. Um, if you had to pick one, does one come to mind? One. Oh my gosh. Um, God, there's so many, I might have to have a little flick through the guests. Um, <laughs> Um, let me see. I'm actually flicking through my episodes, if you don't mind. Um, I mean, there was so, oh, I mean, Leah Garza, she had a huge impact on me just because she's somebody, she's tackling it. You know, she's an idealistic vegan, which we all want to be, but she's a pragmatist about her approach. And I just love that she's finding commonality with them. Yeah, the people who I would have previously seen as enemies, I would have seen the farmers and slaughterhouse workers as enemies. Um, and she's finding just the yeah the human connections between you and and that people are kind of primed by primed by their environment to to be vegan or to not be. And yeah, we kind of have to work through our conditioning to find that we nobody really is sadistic. Not nobody. Sure, there are a few weird people but like the majority of people and professional people are not sadistic a lot of people are just trying to make a living so I just find it I love the way she told those people's stories and made me see that we, we need more unity to to create a vegan world um or just less suffering you know um, yeah, and, and who was um who was she again Oh, Leah Garces. She is um, the f- not founder. She's like the president of Mercy for Animals. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, and but she's worked everywhere. She's worked in World Animal Protection, Compassionate World Farming, and I actually met her. I went on a trip with her to Arkansas, of all places, um, <laughs> to turn like um, a factory farm into like a free range. It was literally just cutting doors open for the chickens which I had very mixed feelings about because it was like, we're not really doing very much for these chickens. Like they're, they're, they're going to live a few weeks. They're still in horribly cramped conditions. All we're doing is giving them a little bit of air in their miserable lives. But it was just like to see how much work it was to get that was so eye opening, And, and to, to see her relationships with the farmers, which is such a finely balanced thing, you know, they're very wary of her because yeah, she ultimately wants animals to be free. Um, so I just, her as an activist, she really strikes me and she's amazing. Um, but I'm trying to think of other stories. With Dino Luciano on, he's great. It, um, he won MasterChef and he's just really nice, interesting person. And um, yeah, he had to, you know, he had to cook meat to, to win that show. But he he's doing great things with his winnings um yeah creating vegan i think he has a vegan restaurant opening up soon so i just love to hear from people who are doing things differently you know yeah and you 
did I see on, I saw you did something with uh, Derek Sarno. Um, yeah, Derek. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, you said you don't like vegetables. Is that what I saw? Um, where did you see <laughs> or, this? Or at the time, something, something oh, below yeah. the video said you don't like vegetables. But No, I, I didn't. So yeah. for so many years, I was a vegetarian who didn't like vegetables. And it was so <laughs> tricky when I'd go to restaurants. And, and my mom used to give me such a hard time over when I was a kid. She was like, what are you going to do when you're older and you're on a date and you only want to eat beans on toast? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll go to a restaurant that only has beans on toast. But no, I really, I ate that. I ate cereal. I ate pizza. I ate uh, fruits. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it was my yeah. diet. And it wasn't a good diet. Like I had really bad skin, not really bad, but I had quite bad skin. And I always used to get colds. And it was only when I went vegan that I realized, oh, I'm actually dairy intolerant, lactose intolerant. And I had to train myself to like vegetables. Yes. But yeah. I found that a lot of it was um like mental. Like I didn't actually not like them. It was just I didn't like how they looked. And it was um this is a really bad tip i've shared this on my podcast and, and people are find this funny please share I, a bad tip yes <laughs> okay my way of getting myself to to like vegetables was and i don't i'm not a big drinker but when i would get drunk i would try i'd be more likely to try new foods that's how i figured out how i liked avocado uh loads of green vegetables i like all green vegetables now and yeah it was just literally from when I was in LA like oh, it was my early 20s and I so I was going out quite a lot and uh yeah I'd go out I'd come home I'd be hungry or me and my friends would go out to like some open late vegan place and then I would try vegetables and I'd be like oh they're not so bad and that would like mentally untangle all those like I don't know, boundaries I had against or prejudices I had against vegetables. Mm, (laughs) So that and I would also say soup. Soup is amazing. mm. And it really helps you get used to the taste. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And and have you found that your tastes and cravings have changed over time? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's something I crave broccoli sometimes. It's really weird. It is it is weird. Yeah, it, yeah, it's people that that's an uh, that's something people like don't believe that, you know, you'll start to crave the new food you're eating um, eventually, even if it's broccoli. Yeah, totally. And I have that because I still have when I'm really busy, I have weeks where I just eat breakfast cereal, which is bad. But then it, I'll get this craving for those green vegetables, which so it does. It's something I don't know what, but yeah, if you just stick with it, your taste buds change and and things like you don't think soy milk is disgusting anymore. Mm, you right. adapt. Right. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. The last, the last time, um, I had you on, I asked you why, like, why are you vegan? That was kind of the, the last question. And you mentioned the golden rule. That's kind of what you came back to. Um, has that evolved for you as you've learned more over the years and talked to so many amazing people or is that still at the core of why you're vegan what's the golden rule i forget the golden rule (laughs) i'm pretty sure you said golden rule but um just treating treating others the way you want to be treated oh yeah i think that's sound i think that still remains um yeah i just yeah i don't i don't want to 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't want to cause suffering to any other animal and I don't need to, my life is better for it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all a lie what we're told about the food industry. So I think it's just my truth to just, to just keep remembering that that sandwich was a being who had a family and who felt pain and all that. So, um, yeah, there's just no need for it. Absolutely no need. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I, today I was like, um, on set for a few hours for, I had to have that COVID test and I was like, when am I getting home? You know, I thought it was only going to be this quick test and go home. And I was, I found I was so stressed out because my cat was at home by herself and I hadn't got her a cat sitter. And it was just like, I just, I, I can't bear the idea of poor little sweet animals just like alone and nobody is there to tell them it's going to be okay. And, you know, that's just me and my cat. There's nobody to help off. I'm going to be back in a few hours or she doesn't understand. But just think of all those poor little animals in big sheds and there's not a soul in the world who loves them, who knows about them, who just thinks about the awful suffering they're going through. And yet people are benefiting so much from that. Like, that's just, that's just so cruel and heartbreaking. And I just want no part of that. Mm. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, is there anything you might want to share that maybe people don't know about you that you might want to um, <laughs> share? Like what? <laughs> um... I was talking to someone about this a few days ago. My secret dream is just to quit everything and move to France and just be a waitress. Like, I do like my job. I like, you know, being artistic and and I like being in the public a bit, like getting to talk about things I care about. But I think, yeah, I just have this strong temptation, temptation to just be like, Oh, screw all this. And I think it's partly to do with the fact that I, from a young age, my job has been closely tied to like who I am, my identity or my public image. So the idea of just doing a job where nobody really cares about you or that you're just kind of a, a fly on the wall. Yeah. So that's my secret like dream. Um, Robbie loves that because he's Robbie, my co-host. He's always like, oh, actress who dreams of being a waitress. But it, it just sounds... <laughs> I'm, and I'm sure it sounds, I made it far more poetic and idyllic in my head, but um, I kind of feel like at the moment I'm writing a book and I kind of feel like after I write this book, I might just go and live my waitress dream for a few months until it's published. So mm. and then I'll come back out. I love that. That would be, that would be a cool experiment. I feel like you should, you should subtly film that and just, you know, just like a, that would be a cool experiment. For sure. Definitely. I think. Yeah. I th I, I, but I, I imagine a lot of people have those kind of fantasies. Of just, it's that thing of like, just leave your normal life behind and be mm. something else. You know, Not, I don't mean a holiday. I don't mean a go away and, and just sun yourself. Like an actual, just kind of shrugging off your identity for a period of time. I think that would be so amazing. And you see like artists do it. Like they, 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 just hide from the spotlight and then they come back and there's somebody new and they have a new uh, name or, or hair color or whatever. But yeah, I just, 
anyway I th- so I imagine a lot of people fantasize about that but that's one thing I think as time has gone on I've always been like yeah I'll do it I'll do it I'm sort of like I need to do it soon I need it it's like it's, yeah yeah because if I were to I don't know well, I'm sorry. yeah I was going to say, I mean, I definitely have those similar fantasies. I mean, obviously yeah. I'm, I'm not in the limelight to the extent you are, but you know, I would love to just go to the mountains and, you know, grow my own food and walk in the mountains, you know, have a dog and just live that for a little while. But I also have an awareness that I would reach a point, maybe it's one month, maybe it's four months <laughs> where I would, I would be ready to, you know, get back. back, get back into the yeah. into the mix and into, you know, what I believe is, you know, why I'm on earth and what I'm here to do, you know? That's um, good. That's good. That means you're aligned with your purpose, but it's, uh, I was talking to um, someone I know who's like, really quite famous and she's kind of done that she's gone off and moved and uh we were talking and she was like I'm just getting such pleasure from simple things like picking oranges and making my own orange juice Mm -hmm. and that gave me a crisis of just like identity like I literally had to talk to my therapist and be like wait does it all just end up with all of us just making orange juice is that the whole point of all the things (laughs) that we're doing and it made me be like why am I struggling so hard over my career when I just secretly we all just want to go away and make orange juice and she was like give it time that person will come back out again mm-hmm. she, she she believes that like nobody really wants to just have that hermit existence forever totally I, I think it's uh, I think it's probably nice to have a long reset of of three four weeks you know longer than kind of the uh average seven day like vacation um, and just totally disconnect. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, at least for me, I know I would, I would reach a point to, and I just, You'd I'd be stir crazy, and I'd, I'd be like, "What am I doing?" You know, I'm here. Yeah, I feel like I'm here to serve others. You know, uh, to a yeah. large extent, and you know, I'm not really doing that if I'm living that life. But there is a time for that and a place for that, and I will always do that to some extent. But yeah. I know I'll always, I'll always come back. Um, but what's do you the, uh, think you'll do that for a month? Um, you know, I've never done a month. I've done 14 to 16 days. Um, actually, normally around this time, the past two years, um, my girlfriend and I have gone just to the Alps and just like backpacked. Um, and that's kind of, that's probably the closest I've been. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also traveled places alone for, um, I've spent like 30 days in Singapore um and alone which was like I love traveling alone Um, I love traveling with with my girlfriend and family as well but uh there's something about being alone when you travel um that is uh you just look at everything a a little bit differently and you're nice you're more likely to say hello to the person you know sitting next to you at the cafe and um it's it's a more like immersive experience I feel like yeah wow but yeah, I definitely, I definitely would like to do like a month somewhere totally remote that nice. hopefully my cell phone doesn't work, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But you may say that, but then you'd come back to an inbox and it would be hell. 
Exactly. And I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be right back, right back into it and feel like I was probably underwater even more. But um, yeah, you mentioned a book. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk, if, if you're open to it, can you tell us what you're writing about? And um, I don't want to say anything yet because, because I'm writing it and I find that when I talk about it, it like diffuses my energy for writing it. I know that's mm. a weird answer, but um, it will be out next year, apparently. My due date is January 1st. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? I can't believe how quickly. But anyway, so no, uh, but uh, I, I don't want to talk about it just because Yeah. it just affects me with my writing process. If I talk too much about it, it's like I've overhyped it. And then I start writing them like, this is crap. And so mm. it's just better for me to not talk about it at all. <laughs> and is that, is, is writing a book something you've, you've wanted to do for a while or? Yeah. Yeah. For years. Um, I love books. That's my main hobby. I think I read a lot and I love it. Um, so yeah. And I, I just have always felt, but I, yeah, everyone does to an extent they're like yeah I'll write my book someday but um I think I express myself best through writing much better than speaking much better than any other form of expression you know like yeah any other art form um so yeah and I've had these ideas just ticking around my head but it's just like when do you ever get time to write a book lockdown like literally I don't know how people write books outside of lockdown because it's so much <laughs> it's so much discipline and it's all self-driven there's nobody sitting there going time to write your book there's 20 people in your email inbox saying time to do this and this and this and you have to be you have to really fight for your time back you have to really be like nope this weird little project that I'm working away on in secret in my office that nobody knows about this is the most important thing so but I keep telling myself like I'm surrounded by books here and it's like all these people have done it so I'll I'll get there um Mm. but yeah it's definitely something I've always wanted to do and I'm excited I'm excited to share it with people yeah that's awesome that's awesome so you're you're in London as a vegan and London right now is like I would say it's probably the world capital of veganism right now like the amount of i think so the amount of i mean la maybe a a close second but Mm -hmm. like the amount of restaurants and brands um that seem to be coming out of london is like overwhelming like there's something like uh somebody posted so i think there's like 50 vegan restaurants in london now Cool. Which is insane. Wow. There, there, there's like one in Boston. Like oh, that's no. the, yeah. So when you get happy cow out, there's like, <clears throat> here's your stop. <gasps> yeah. It's, it's mostly like, yeah, it's mostly like, you know, places that have options and yeah. And that's something, something yeah. I'm working on. Okay, good. Vegan Please restaurants do. For Boston. <laughs> yes. Okay. Huh, I wouldn't have thought, cause it's not like, you know, it's a big, place it's not like a really obscure little town no and it's like it's weird in that it's it's a huge tech um and uh you know place people come for schools from all over the world Mm. and but it's weirdly conservative and it's like very bostonians are like very stuck in their ways you know they don't yeah they don't like new trends and new ways of doing things it's always like 
you know, LA adopts it, then, you know, New York adopts it, then like seven years go by and like Boston comes around. And um, so we're always kind of behind for whatever reason, because we have like, you know, such incredible businesses and startups that are at like the forefront of, of a lot of things in the, in the world. And the, one of the best places I would argue for education in the world. And um, that brings a ton of young people and different perspectives and all this, but still, if you're, if you're grew up here, it, it's just very, very traditional in a, in a, in a strange way, but um, it's definitely changing. Um, I just don't think many people have done anything, but anyway, the reason I was asking about London is um, for people that are over there or visiting there soon, hopefully whenever that's, that's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, where are kind of like your go-to, go-to vegan spots over there? Oh, um, well, at the moment, you know, it's hard to meet up with people. So I just, I order from Mildred's a lot. Mildred's, okay. <laughs> I love Mildred's. It's so good. Yeah. It's kind of just like a classic here. It's, it's not too fancy, but it's nice food. And so I like them. I like, hmm, I think Anne has a great diner, Unity. Um, mm -hmm. Very nice cocktails there. And I'm trying to think where else do I go that I really like. I probably go to Mildred's way too often. Oh, pharmacy is a good one pharmacy, in Notting yeah. Hill. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, those would be a few. Oh, no, wait, my favorite, Wild Foods. <laughs> what is it, Wild Foods? Wild Food, yeah, Wild Food Cafe in Covent Garden. It's so bright and beautiful, lots of, like, colors on the wall, and their cakes are brightly colored as well, and it's all raw food. Um, so a bit funky, you know, a bit different. But, yeah, really good. Amazing. Awesome. Well, we're, we're getting high on time here and I greatly appreciate you taking the time again. Yeah, um, no problem. Thanks I for do, having me. I, I do like to ask everybody, um, if you could give kind of like a starting point for somebody that's listening, that is interested in eating more plant-based or going vegan. Um, what's your advice for like step one that they can take tomorrow morning? I would say, I mean, just think abundantly, first of all. Don't think of it as what I have to give up. Think about what you can add in. Like, it's it's like a new culture going vegan. You know, you're not going to have the same foods. You're going to have to change a few things. Maybe you won't have the same comfort foods, but you'll learn about a load of new foods that are amazing. Like, I never ate tempeh or tofu or um, loads of things, loads of beans and um we have great vegan chocolate. I mean, you just need to find it. So I would just say, like, don't don't be thinking, because people do think, they say, oh, you're vegan. Oh, what does that mean? What what can't you have? But really, don't don't let people get you to think like that, because it's what, what, think what you can have. And I would also say, um, a friend of mine, Eric Marcus, who runs vegan.com, he told me about the crowding out method. And he said to, um, before you cut anything out of your diet, crowd it out, add new things in. So, you know, tr try before you lose yogurt, if you really like yogurt, try all the plant-based yogurts, find one that you like. And before you even like cut it out, just make, make sure you adjust to the new flavors. And I, and that really helped me because it was like, 
eventually over time, I just didn't need the animal products anymore. And it didn't then feel like a huge sacrifice. I wasn't craving it. I wasn't resentful of people who were eating animal products and that I secretly wanted. It became more about um, choice. Um, And I would also say, you know, if you really want to be vegan, if you know you should be and you're just struggling with it, I would say read a lot more, read vegan books, because the more you learn, the more it becomes like, a willing choice you're not doing it because you should you're doing it because you want to be vegan and you don't want any more part of the um exploitation of animals so um yeah the more I read the more vegan I got and then the easier it got Mm. yeah I like the crowding out I often recommend um Dr. Gregor from nutritionfacts.org his uh daily dozen because it's like if you try to get all 12 of those foods, um, you know, on your plate each day, like it's very hard to do. It's like a lot of different foods. So like you're kind of so consumed with these 12 foods and you never rarely hit those 12 foods, but then all of a sudden you, you went the whole day and you ate healthy and plant-based and vegan. And, um, you know, so it's, it's more like, yeah, it's, it's crowding out. I like that a lot. Um, well, awesome. Thank you so much again. I want to, I want to, um, just give you a shout out for all the work you do with, with the podcast and, um, uh, kinder beauty box and just everything you put out, you know, you're, you're somebody that could be using your platform for anything and you're using it to, you know, make the world a kinder place and a better place. And, um, a more compassionate place. And, um, that's just super powerful and beautiful. And I just give you a shout out for, you know, using your voice in the way that you use it because, um, yeah, you're just, you're, you're a force. And, Thank you. Uh, and oh, much, that's so kind. Appreciated. Thank you. No, I feel like I'm the one who wins. I really just, I love this community and I've, gotten so much more than I've given so yeah it's a really pleasure to be part of it and thank you for having me on your podcast and for and for the work you do like I think just so great to have just I think vegan podcasts are needed to make people feel supported and to make them just stay connected to what they know to be true so go you (laughs) thank you thank you anything you'd like to leave listeners with and we'll sign off and stay spangly and take your b12 that's what we say on the chip peeps. <laughs> we always remind people to take what the B12. Was, what was the first part? Stay what? Stay spangly. Stay spangly. It's a word I like. Yeah. I mean, it just means like bright and happy and, you know, looking for the beauty in life, I suppose. Is that an Irish? Um, is that an Irish word? Definitely not an Irish word. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a real word. It's a, it's a, it's a word my best friend it's used to use a lot. Yeah, we we've made it our word now. Yeah, and people like it. And you know, I think just even the word spangly. I think you know what it means without knowing what it means. You so, do, you do. Whether um, it's actually yeah. a word or not, we'll we'll find out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is now. <laughs> well, very cool. Very cool. cool. Well, thank you again, Ivana. Absolute pleasure as always. Thanks, Pat. <laughs>